and wait. And we're recording. Okay, Dad, how you doing? Great, Ty. You're doing great? Excited. Excited. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Tell me about the very first time you saw football. Well, I played fo the first football experience I ever had was watching uh, football on television when I was very, very young and watching the, my family supported the Arkansas Razorbacks back in the 50s and 60s. So as a little boy, about six or seven years old, we'd watch the Arkansas's big games every year we were with Texas. And so we'd watch the game and root for Arkansas. Unfortunately, Texas usually won. And so, uh, so when did you, did you always think you were gonna play football? Did your brother play oh, football I, or what? Uh, my family were big into sports. Baseball and football were the two favorites of my father. And so he kind of ingrained in us that we wanted to be football players from, from when I was a little boy. So what was your first, first day of football? My first day of football was I was a Holly Hills Eagle when I was about seven years old. Nice. And what was, what was, your, what was your thoughts going into that first day? Well, I was excited about being a little kid football player there. It was, it was a whole new world, uh, getting all dressed up in the uniform and putting on shoulder pads and helmets and stuff like that. Because we started playing tackle football when I was about in the second grade. Okay. And what, would you, uh, what do you remember of that? Uh, I remembered that the field. and <laughs> it, it was a horrible field. It had stickers and it had mostly dirt. It didn't have... Uh, a lot of grass on it. And so that was where we practiced was behind my school. And uh, all my friends from elementary school were on the team. And we, we just had fun because we could do it together as a group. And, and uh, we, you know, it was just a great activity. So who was your, who was your first coach? Uh, my first coach, uh, I had various coaches along the way. Uh, but the interesting thing was that there weren't any dads who coached back then. They actually had people from the community who would like coach, uh, not necessarily parents, but uh, other men in the community that uh, like sports. Yes, so, your first coach. I think his name was Larry Wood. Okay, so 2020 football practices done a certain way. What did you do? Take me through a 1967-year-old football practice. Uh, we did <laughs> calisthenics. So we did old-fashioned calisthenics, like jumping jacks and push-ups and sit-ups and old those types of exercises. And there was a uh, a jungle gym at the, up by the school. And we'd have to, anytime you got in trouble, you had to run around the jungle gym. And so that was, you know, horrible punishment to run around the jungle gym because it was up a hill from where the practice was. So we, uh, we'd get in trouble and have to run up that hill. And that was, uh, that's a memory I have to this day that I hated when Larry Wood said, take a lap. <laughs> was it uh what, how many, was it eight on eight, seven on seven, 11 on 11? 11 on 11. 11 on 11. And what yes. kind of, were you running, what, what kind of offense? Was it because what everyone watched back then? Oh, see, football so long ago was called, uh, was very, very basic. It was called, you ran a T formation, uh, quarterback, fullback, and two halfbacks. So they lined up on either side of the fullback, fullback, quarterback. either side of the fullback. And yeah. you'd snap. And then the offensive line was two ends that weren't called tight ends, but they're today's tight ends, two tackles, two guards and a center. And like I said, all my buddies played all those positions. And some of my best friends were uh, the center and was center is a guy that I was best friends with. He was our center. And uh, so what did you play the first year? Uh, I, I played a variety of things, but I played end and I played running back and things like that when I was little. Uh, Didn't want to play quarterback? Uh, not at that time. Not at that time. 
We had uh, some other little guy that was who was quarterback. One of my other friends was a quarterback, and he wasn't particularly good. And in those days, the quarterback had one job, was the handoff to the running back and the fullback. And so the quarterbacks didn't run much. Uh, we didn't even dream of throwing a pass. And so it was well, you basically – kind of wanted to be the running back. Yeah. Running back yeah. to the end. Yeah. Uh, and the end wasn't – you didn't do much at end except block on sweeps. And so we ran sweeps uh, uh, up the middle and around the end. And that was about all the, that was about as, you know, we got real fancy, you might run a re, uh, reverse or something and start one way and go the other. So we did a lot of uh, very, very, very basic plays. Turn and hand it to the fullback or lead with one of the running backs and give it to the other one and stuff like that. So it was- Oklahoma's uh, a lot of practice. Uh, no, didn't do much Oklahoma's. So what did you do besides calisthenics? Uh, did a lot of, uh, where we did scrimmage a lot. We did a whole lot of scrimmaging. So we had enough kids on the team. We had a full offense and defense. And so we lined up offense against defense. And I was always on the offensive team. And, you know, we'd stand out there and that field was so the field was so bad and didn't have any lights and didn't have anything other than stickers. So if you fell down, you usually got a sticker in you. And so, uh, and you'd get stickers in your, the various little things that go in your ankle. And so you'd, when you get, when you got done after practice, uh, you'd have all these little, I don't know, kind of like stickers in your socks. What kind of so, helmet did you wear? <laughs> well, helmets were, dramatically different it was a piece of plastic with some netting that was made of rope so that your head your head set on that netting that was made out of rope and the plastic was thin and then it had a face mask uh but a two-bar face mask basically just two like this no yes maybe one bar here and one yeah one uh, one or two up and down ones and so we we had, you know, your helmet did nothing for you, basically, because it was so inferior quality. The helmets of today are so much better than the ones we started with. Uh, you, you know, you had not, a concussion? I don't know that you didn't. Uh, I did. I did in high school, but I didn't. I don't remember being concussed when I was a little kid. We didn't hit very hard. We didn't hit hard by today's standards. Did you, so uh, those scrim, yeah, the scrimmages. There was there was like seven or eight kids on the off. You know, the the offense and defense were real close together, and they had an equal number of defensive linemen. Then you had offensive linemen. You know, so as a result, it was there. You had a short distance to build up speed to hit somebody, and you uh, you there was the defense was as simple as the offense was simple. So the defense was just six guys in defensive line positions and then three linebackers and two safeties essentially is all you had. So we, you know, it wasn't offense and defense were, um, you know, you just, it was a big pile of people just running into each other slowly. Right. And so we rarely had, if you made two or three yards, it was a good play. How good so, was your team? Well, when we years. first, the first couple of years, we were average or, you know, we weren't any better than anybody else. We'd go to, we'd played other teams that, and you're familiar with some of the teams that we played. We played the Bruins and the Bombers and the this and that. So they were all neighborhood teams. Yeah. So uh, all, the Eagles were from our area. Uh, there were the Those Spartans. Were to the Cherry Creek High School? Yeah. Eagles were Cherry Creek High School kids. And the Bombers and the, uh, I can't think of the other names right now, I thought Spartans. We had a team called the Spartans and the Bombers. Well, actually, it was called the Blue Bombers. So the Blue Bombers, we didn't like those guys. Those guys were good. And so they were from Denver. And the Spartans were over by Thomas Jefferson High School. So uh, the was, Bruins, uh, Holly Hills Elementary, sec uh, sec was it segregated school at the time? 
you have any black Sager. people on your team? Uh, no, zero. So the yeah, it wasn't segregated. There just didn't wasn't there any black kids that lived in the neighborhood. Was there a specific school that they did go to in Denver? No, they went to a variety of schools in Denver. Oh, okay. Uh, so what year Most, did you feel like football started to become kind of the next level up of doing more things? Well, you know, there were some innovations and some of the people introduced new things. We use, uh, when we were like 10 or 11, we, the coach came in and he said, we're going to run single wing. And so single wing meant that you directly snapped it to the quarterback in the air. And he, the quarterback was about three steps behind the center or something like that. And the backs were all back by the quarterback. And what that did was you snap it to the quarterback. And if the quarterback was a good athlete, he would lead with all those running backs in front of him and run sweeps and stuff. So single wing was, was, a dramatic change from the T, T formation. So single wing, oh, we thought we were really doing something special when we started doing single wing. And what positions did you play kind of each year from there? Mainly the same or what? M mainly the same. I was running back when I was, when I was 10 or 11, I was a running back. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was a good time. Um, I was doing well in baseball. I've been better at baseball as a, as a little kid. I was very precocious as a like a baseball player because my father would just spend hours and hours pitching to me, and so I got to where I could hit baseballs real well as a little guy. And so my football wasn't uh, my my dad liked foot, uh, baseball better than football, so we really almost devoted more time to baseball than we did football. But then when I got to be a running back in about 10 or 11 years old, then football really became fun. Uh, I enjoyed that year a lot because I got to run with the ball often. And uh, so like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, as you're kind of entering junior high school, what was the team success <laughs> like? Well, uh, that, was a, that was a huge moment in my life for a couple of reasons. One, between 11 years old and 13, I went through a heavy phase. So I started, and I'd always eaten every donut in the world, and, and so my diet was terrible and uh, stuff like that. So when I turned 12 years old, I was about as big around as I was tall. And so I was uh, switched to tackle. And then when I was 12, we had from 11 to 12, our coach quit. And we thought, oh, we know, what are we going to do for a coach next year and stuff like that. And then this older man came out with a clipboard at his hand. And he said, my name is Irv Single. I'm going to be your coach. And we all thought, uh, you know, how good is this? What does this older guy know about football? Well, as it turns out, he played center for the San Diego Chargers or the and, uh, Los Angeles Chargers slash San Diego Chargers. And he would have been a great player in professional football. And so we had Coach Single. And all of a sudden, uh, and then a bunch of guys between 11, being 11 and 12 had quit. They didn't, it was, they didn't like football. And they didn't like the hitting and stuff like that. And when Coach Single took over, he made it fun. And he brought oranges and Cokes or whatever to the practice field for us all. And then he recruited my brother and then and some of the other high good high school players that guys that had been good high school players to help him coach so we had like three or four coaches so the fact that when i was 12 we had three or four coaches we had this great team and we had you know uh, can you imagine a 12 year old team with all these coaches and one of them being an ex nfl guy he i think he played for the university of cincinnati before he went to the nfl and so, and he was fun and he would uh, be, he was positive. He was the first coach we ever had that would come up and say, because uh, before that they just yelled at you and told you to run a lap. But Coach Single said, he'd come up and he said, did you knock the starch out of that guy or what? And so then you felt good. And then a bunch of guys had to quit, saw how much fun we were having and they came back and got on the team. And then we had, you know, then we went to the championship against the, I think it was the Bombers. Anyway, we played it. 
a school at another area that had a good team. So it was us and them, and it was a you know battle, and we were so excited, thinking that we were going to win. I think it was the Bombers, the Blue Bombers. And anyway, we lost six to nothing. And so that was devastating to lose the championship when I was 12. But we, we'd won every other game except that one. Yeah. So that, that, that made a huge difference in our lives. Coach Single, because he was so good, and uh, then the fact that we were playing for the championship all of a sudden, football supplanted baseball is my favorite. That year, yeah, that was the year. I, that was the year football became my favorite. Even playing right tackle. So the next year, getting you got smaller again, and then moved to a different yeah. position. Right. Yeah, but oh, the final thing about what made twelve-year-old football so great was Coach Single had been an offensive lineman. And so he knew offensive linemen didn't get much glory and they didn't have a lot of fun. So he told me that as the right tackle, I was going to make a call. When we went up the line of scrimmage, I would call out a call just like the quarterback or whatever. And, and I, if I said George, that meant I was going to cross block. I was going to block to my left and then the guard was going to come behind me and block to my right. Well, when, when you're 12 years old and kids don't expect you to come at them from an angle like that, I would obliterate some people in that. So just the fact that he realized how much fun it was going to be, how much more fun the game was going to be, if I can make a call about who I was going to block, and I was kind of uh, – it, it, that was another thing. Uh, he, he identified nobody wants to be the, tack, the right tackle, but if you give the right tackle some other uh, stuff to do, it, it, it made it a lot more fun. Sounds more enjoyable. So yeah. that, the next year, 13, what, what, what position? Well, I trimmed back down again, and I went back to end. I was the right end. Yeah. Uh, and started throwing some passes when I got to that age, but not many. And then that was well, the last year before high school? Well, the, actually, there was a gap year. There was a year where there was no little kid football anymore, and there was no school football. So that's all you had options for. We had that, we called it Young America League back then. AYL or YAL, whatever, were the same thing. So I went from Eagles, but then there was a year where Eagles didn't play anymore. I was too old to be an Eagle, and I was too uh, uh, young to play in eighth grade. So anyway, seventh grade, there was no football, uh, which was, you know, just kind of disappointing. Sit around. Uh, it, was, it was a year I lost a bunch of the weight. Oh, and then those weigh-ins. As you know, one of the toughest things about little kids football was every year you had to be weighed in before, and the weights were way less than they became later, and there was no such thing as a double patch. You were, if you were more than a single patch at a certain weight, you couldn't play. And so my, that year I gained weight and became a tackle. I had to lose 14 pounds to make weight in a short period of time because I wanted to play so bad. But if I hadn't lost that 14 pounds, I couldn't have played in my sixth grade year either. Wow. Uh, so, so then eighth grade was school football. Eighth grade was school football, and I played right in. And that was playing for Cherry Creek High School or Cherry Creek Middle School? Cherry Creek East Junior High School. And our and big rival from uh, what was it like switching from youth league football to high school football? Well, the, the challenge I spent, spent the rest of my life finding was I, I never would have a coach better than Irv Single. And so at school, they just said, whichever guy, whichever PE teacher wanted to be the coach, you're a coach. And they only had one coach. And it wasn't run nearly as well as my little kid football. So it was actually a disappointment to play eighth grade football. But we, you know, then uh, we, we joined with some other elementary schools. There were more kids. And I, uh, I played right end. And we, our big rival game was the last one of the year we played Cherry Creek West. So it was West versus East. And they were ahead. And we went driving down the field at the end of the game, and they threw me a pass, which I ran down to about the two-yard line 
almost in front of the goalpost and I fumbled. <laughs> so, so then I had that to live down for the rest of my life. But so it was almost like there was a commercial on TV at the time. Uh, my big brother, Skip, came walking down on the field and he, we walked off the field. He had his arm around me because I was so despondent about fumbling at the two. And we would have won if I hadn't fumbled. So uh, that, was a, that was another defining moment of... Uh, what number did you wear? 87. 87. Was there a reason? You just tight end number? Tight end number, yeah. I don't, I don't remember the reason. There may have been. I think there was some Baltimore Colt guy that, uh, that was number 87. I don't remember, though, who it was. So uh, going into high school football, was that the, the, a big difference then? Well, I still hadn't grown much. So in ninth grade, I still was shorter. I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet. And so I didn't play as, you know, I wasn't as important to the team because I was, I was still a little bit shorter. Some of the other guys had already grown, you know, like shaving and everything came late. And so uh, there was guys with full beards that were in the ninth grade and I had never uh, shaved in my life type of thing. So there were some people that developed faster than me. So I was kind of behind as a ninth grader and I still played and stuff like that, but I wasn't. You know, I may have been a guard that year. Was so it a junior was, varsity and a varsity? Oh, there was a – every year it had a team. There was a varsity, a junior varsity, a sophomore team, and a freshman team. And so you so, played on the freshman team? Yeah. And I, I got to where I didn't – you know, I wasn't uh, – it was kind of a sad time because some of the other kids, whether whatever sport, they kind of uh, caught up to me and some of the um, athletics, athleticism. So I, I went through another year, kind of, it was kind of a sort of sad year that I was watching all these other people get taller and faster and stuff like that. And my, I hadn't hit that growth spurt yet. So I was kind of, uh, it wasn't, a, wasn't like the year where I was uh, 122 pounds as a sixth grader or whatever, but it was, uh, it was not as fun at that year. So what about 10th grade? You come into 10th grade. Uh, well, that was a big summer in my lifetime. So I, I kind of like that other spurt that I made as a little kid. I, I, I grew a bunch and I got tall and thin again. And I, uh, uh, all of a sudden I could play a little bit more, you know, on that as I, as I grew and taller. And I went back to playing end. And on defense, I played outside linebacker. And then it, uh, so at, in those days, I played on the junior varsity in the 10th grade or whatever. And so the, uh, uh, I was playing and I was, I had kind of caught up to those people that had passed me the year before. So I, you know, got to play all the time. And it became sort of, uh, I was good enough to where I was always on the field, and, but it was in, at the junior varsity level. And then I did get to suit up for the final senior game of the year. And so uh, on the side, it was so exciting. The so those are the sophomores were the selected to suit up for the seniors last game or the senior, the varsity team. And so we were all on the sideline and I was so excited and all the varsity guys got to wear one color Jersey and all the sophomore guys who got, move up ours was just a little bit different color and that was kind of embarrassing to be in that pink jersey i felt like it looked pink not quite properly red it wasn't quite properly red so it was a it was good news that we got to suit up it was bad news that my jersey color wasn't the same as everybody else's so then 11th grade you were on varsity yep 11th grade i 11th grade evolved into you know i by the 11th grade, both in baseball and in football, uh, I was one of the better, best players on the team. I played offense and defense, and I played same thing. I played end and outside linebacker, and you know, so I played almost every play, every snap. I was on the kickoff team, the kickoff receiving team, the punt team, the punt receiving team. I was on 
there was there were games where I basically didn't come off the field. So how would you say football had changed from 1960 to 1970? Not much. There wasn't a big change yet. It was coming, but it hadn't happened yet. So in that year, the University of Texas and the University of Arkansas played uh, number one versus number two on December 6th in Fayetteville. And the president flew in a, down to Fayetteville to watch the game. And they took him by a helicopter from Fayetteville Airport to the, and he landed right on the south side of the field there. Everybody in my family, every fan, every football fan, it was called the game of the century at the time, number one versus number two. And Arkansas was ahead uh, with like four minutes to go. They were ahead. And then all of a sudden, uh, Texas started coming back. Texas was using what's called the wishbone offense. And they had made, they were awesome at it. They were a powerhouse. But Arkansas was beating them. And then they threw a, on fourth and three, they threw a pass, which was unheard of. Texas never throws a pass. And from James Street to Randy Peschel, I think is the guy's name. And they got a first down and they went on and scored and they won by one point. And it was the most devastating thing I'd ever witnessed on television. My family was all sitting around the television. And I, re I remember my mother crying. So that was that year football. So everybody loved the wishbone offense. So we so my coach, high school coach, Fred Tassone, who was a kind of a legend, adopted the wishbone offense. So again, the playing right end didn't mean you did anything but block because quarterback turned and gave it to the fullback or ran a, uh, a trip, the triple option, they call right it. around the end. Give it. It. Yeah. It's give it, it to the fullback. Quarterback run it or pitch to the tail or the running back. What was your team success that year, 11th grade? Uh, one of the Denver newspapers, well, the big Denver newspaper at the time, says the greatest high school team ever assembled in Denver. So we were undefeated and but lost in the playoffs. We were upset in the playoffs. And uh, we played in CSU's stadium, Colorado State University Stadium in Fort Collins against the Fort Collins team. We were the number one seed, and they were the number eight seed or whatever. Yeah. And we had to play at their field. Yeah. And our good running back got hurt and stuff like that. So we were a little undermanned, and uh, we lost. But they were a good team also. They went on to win it. But the team, they beat in the, the team they beat in the finals – was somebody we played earlier in the year in the, in the regular season we, that we'd beaten 28 to nothing. Yeah. So it was, it was one of those other devastating losses. I mean devastating. So going into your senior year, you guys probably thought you were good enough to well, go win it then? Well, no, we had a lot of seniors from my junior year that graduated that we knew we were going to miss. We, yeah. we graduated a lot. So – from junior to senior year, we thought we were going to come back good, but not as good because we lost this. We had a really good quarterback and uh, a defensive end that was really good. And so those guys had uh, graduated. So we knew it was going to be hard. They were going to be hard to replace. But a couple of kids moved in from out of state, and uh, we had a couple of good new guys. Uh, but my senior year was one of the worst seasons Cherry Creek ever had. Uh, against Arapaho, we had there was a picture of seven starters on the sidelines injured, one of them being me. Yeah. So how many games did you play your senior year? Four. Four. And you got what was your record at the time of the when you got hurt? Mm, two and oh, one and I, I may have played either one or two before I got hurt. So we. We were, I think, uh, one and one. Yeah, and then you got hurt in the third game. Yeah. And then I the came back at the moved end of the year. Moved to a, the kind of the next batch of kids. Yeah. Kind of in and, a, ushered in a younger generation. Yeah, the, the coach's son became the quarterback as a sophomore, and he had some sophomore growing pains. Yeah. 
and kind of got ready for the next kind of group. So what was your yeah. thought after you had ACL surgery at 18 with continuing sports careers and et cetera, especially oh, back then? I, I um, wasn't exactly like time, Adrian Peterson had done anything. <laughs> well, it, the knee injury in my case wasn't as significant as other injuries would be later. But so I actually got to come back and play the last three games of my senior year and they moved me from end to fullback. So I didn't have to run quite as much. Mm -hmm. And so then I became a lead blocker and we won every, all those games. And I got to be the captain on a couple of those, um, you know, that was a kind of a nice deal. I was captain the first game of that my senior year and the last game. So they always picked people that they thought had done well to be the captains. And so to be picked captain the first game and the last game were kind of a special moments for me. And then post that season, what was your thoughts on going forward with in relation to football? My dream football or where were you at? My dream since I was like seven was to play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So we took that, my first game of my senior year where I intercepted two passes and all that kind of stuff, took that film, an old 16 millimeter film and sent it to Fayetteville. So that- uh, A little bit different than rivals.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was about as- count yet. It was about as big around as a, uh, you know, you probably didn't have multiple copies of those or things of that that you could put on YouTube or. <laughs> hadn't quite got there yet. So we, anyway, we sent that 16 millimeter film to Fayetteville to coach Frank Broyles because I'd always dreamed of playing. And I had a particular position that they, that Arkansas called monster back. And so I dreamed of being the monster back for Arkansas and the guy that, had played it in that national championship game was named Bobby Fields. And I wanted the position to go from Bobby Fields to me. Yeah. So it didn't quite work out, but it was my dream when I was little. I even put an Arkansas decal on my Cherry Creek helmet, which was against the rules, but I had an Arkansas decal on the back of my helmet. So did you feel more comfortable as a outside linebacker, monster back, tight end, fullback? What do you think your best – I think outside what we called monster back. Yeah. I think I was good because then you had the beauty of monster back was you could, if you got to say, well, I think there, you always could go where you thought the play was going to go. So if it's, if you thought it was going wide side, you could go stand on the wide side. If you thought it was a passing situation, you could drop off and play pass more. So it gave you, it was some freedom, which was really cool at the time. It was a pretty good innovation uh, from, from, we got it from the colleges. And uh, I, uh, I like that. What kind that. of base defense were people playing then? Oh, simple. Uh, we played, base defense was a 5-2 or a 4-3. Uh, and so you had either four down linemen or five. Yeah. That was, that was about as elaborate as the defense has got in those days. But the, the only innovation defensively was that, that you, or, you know, that one guy that you designated as kind of a, the freedom to uh, play run if the other team ran a lot, play pass if the other team passed a lot, and I got to be that. That was fun. Did you ever split out as the end? Did you ever split end? <laughs> Not normally. We normally were two, even through high school, it's two tight ends because we did wishbone that first year, and and then my other teams do that though, where they put split ends. Yes, occasionally, yeah, occasionally you'd have a flanker. They called it a flanker back in the day. They'd have a flanker back go out there. And a three-point stance, or would he stand up normal? Three-point stance. When did they start standing up normal? Uh, we never did. After. Yeah. We where, never was the, uh, where was the favorite place you ever played? Uh, well, I intercepted a lot. I, I like defense. I like that where they gave me the freedom to either, you know, I could come I know, off the uh, Location. 
Oh, favorite field or whatever? Yeah, field. Where was the best place? Butler Bowl, without a doubt. It was the nicest stadium back then. Big, oh, yeah. it and was, better. It was better than anybody else's uh, field by a ton. Yeah. Where was the, the, where was the worst venue? Oh. Uh, Nothing sticks in your mind? Not anything that it was a whole lot worse. Because we, all the high school fields at the time were pretty good. Yeah. We played at Littleton District 6. We played Arapaho and Littleton over there. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad field. I didn't like the fact that they didn't have stands. A couple of places didn't have stands on one side. I never yeah. liked those fields that just had stands on the one side. And because if you're on, you know, if you're a visitor, then you're standing over there on the I'm middle of the Yeah. What's the... Uh... So we got in a brawl my junior year. What's your, do you have a crazy story of on the bus, on the field, fighting with a team, somebody doing something crazy? The, uh, the easily the craziest game was in my junior year. We, it snowed a huge snowstorm in October or November or whatever it was. We were playing with those Aurora schools, you know, where the Aurora field is, Aurora Hinkley. Hmm. And we were playing at that field. So the sands were all on the west side. And so there were six inches of snow on the field. And they didn't have any fancy machines to plow it or anything like that. So, you know, they'd gone out there and shoveled it a little bit for the lines just to see where it was. But there was a legitimate six-inch snow on the ground. And so when you get down in your stance, you go the snow would go up to about half, you know, up to your wrist. So... It, and because of the horrible conditions, nobody could do anything. You, you couldn't run and, and it turned the game in, into, and it was muddy because back in those days when you'd heat it up a little bit instead of getting, you know, wet, it got wet and muddy. And so your uniform would get just trashed. And the Hinkley people hated us and we hated them, but then they have the fans right next to each other. So then a huge snowball fight between us on the field and the people in the stands it developed. And, you know, there used to be lots of fights after the games because Aurora in particular, Aurora Central, Aurora Hinkley, or lots of them, they hated us. Everybody hated Cherry Creek. So Inglewood, uh, there would always be fight. Now, there would be fights after the games, but, you know, didn't involve my group, but there were a lot of fan incidents you know guys getting beat up and things like that at both at all the high school games in the day so uh yeah that what that's a vivid memory of uh i think it was way different before cell phones and uh yeah it was high school sports and everything unbelievably different unbelievably different and if you wanted to see anything about the game you had to get the next day's newspaper and read the newspaper and see if you you know, see if your team or you got talked about in the newspaper. That was the biggest, most exciting thing was check the newspaper. Like if you'd had a good night the night before, one game I intercepted two passes and stuff like that, or ran one back for a touchdown, and I couldn't wait to get the newspaper, and my mother would clip it out. And and so we'd have these little – she kept all that stuff for years. That was scrapbooks with your – if you made the paper. Did I feel like the school and the town were a little bit more prideful in the high school football team back then? Oh, ridiculous. We, the place would be packed. And so they were, and the rivalries and the hating Arapahoe and all the, you know, things like that. Uh, the gyms would be packed for the basketball games and the football games and stuff. Uh, it was, it was pretty, it was a great time. It was a great time to go through high school sports. So after 60 years involved with football, what do you yep. think makes teams the number one thing that makes teams successful versus unsuccessful? Well, if you have – so easily, easily I think the, the when – if you got good players, you got good teams. If you got bad players, you got bad teams. And, you know, no coach has ever made a tackle. Not the X's and the O's. But 
coaching can make a huge difference about putting people in their correct places and, and enabling the people that need to be doing the stuff, you know, evaluating talent, putting talent where it needs to be. But uh, without a doubt, if you have no, if you have no talent, you're not going to go very far. If you had so, to pick a 10 year time frame, 60 to 70, 70 to 80, et cetera, up till 2010 till 2020, what's your favorite era to watch football and style of it? Well, just because of mem good memories and stuff like that. The 60s were great to watch. Uh, Arkansas was a national championship, was the national champion one year. So the 60s were fun because of uh, that shootout. They called it the shootout, the greatest game of the century in 69. Uh, the, uh, and the 70s were great because uh, of people I knew that were involved and, and connections. So the 60s and the 70s were my favorite. And what do you think of the game in 2020? Oh, it's dramatic. You know, they, uh, the game is so much further along these days than the old days. It doesn't make the old days bad because uh, the people that were doing it at the time were the best that we had. But the, between the size of the athletes, the speed of the athletes, uh, the innovations that come along, uh, the pass, you know, the high school team back in the day, if a guy for the season caught 20 or 30 passes, that was a lot of receptions. And so it, it changed so dramatically. It's almost a different game. But uh, I still love it both then and now. I, but I can't it's hard to relate. As being a six-foot-tall, 170-pound guy, it was hard to you know, equate to what's it, the players of today. If I say, I'm going to say a decade, I want you to say your favorite player from that decade. Okay. The, uh, the 60s. Lance Allworth. 70s. Uh, who is Lance Allworth? No one's going to know who Lance Allworth is. <laughs> well, arguably one of the greatest receivers ever that played for the Chargers. He had a lot of records that he held for a long, long time in an era when they didn't pass nearly as much. So it's hard to equate people's numbers back then to people of today because they well, first down special. he was such a gifted athlete. He could run. They called him Bambi because of his athleticism. He was fast. He could jump like crazy, and he could catch uh, anything within a mile of him. Looked like he was going to catch it. So he was by far my favorite player of the 60s. He retired from professional football in 71, I think, or 72. Okay, then the 70s. Well, the 70s, the, uh, it was hard not to like the Steelers, or the Steelers were the, obviously the team to beat in those days. They had Terry Bradshaw as the quarterback, Len Swan. Len Swan was the same as Lance Allworth. Len Swan was a beautiful receiver to watch. Uh, and just, you know, uh, there were guys along the way like that that were uh, lots of fun to watch. And so Who's I would 70 say. 70s pick? It can't be Lynn Swan. Uh, it can be. Okay, Lynn Swan is the answer? Lynn Swan. 80s. Yeah. 80s. Uh, you got into some other people. And so late 70s, early 80s, uh, I like watching Earl Campbell run. Yeah, that's a good so pick. Earl, Earl Campbell was an amazing running back. He He was something that he was almost uh, big and strong and fast, and uh, he, uh, you know, he could either run over people or run around them. And that we hadn't seen a person like him before because he was big as a lineman but fast as the backs. So he was he was a lot of fun to watch. Okay, eight nineties uh, then. Well, the next person that. You know, I'm I'm not good on the decades tie because I don't remember yeah, yeah. who the next decade the next time. I think Campbell came in like '77. Yeah, the next person uh, 
the next person that I remember that I that was another freak uh, because of how good he was was Bo Jackson. Yeah. Bo Jackson was another person like Campbell. He was big and strong. And then see the the change that happened along the way. When I was going to high school, there wasn't even a weight machine at my high school until towards the end. And then when there was a weight machine, it was just one of those little universals, had 10 stations kind of around a thing. So what we had in our upstairs of our house on Rosemary, that's what the high school had. Yeah. A machine like that. And so weightlifting, that's why it was push-ups and sit-ups and, and stuff like that, because there, there wasn't a, uh, the drive to, to, for diet and exercise wasn't as important as it is these days. So, you know, we had regular sized people. Uh, you know, if we had a guy on the, I was a, at one point, I think I was the second or third biggest guy on the Cherry Creek's team at 170. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what changed the, the nature of things. And there are people who pay, became ridiculously strong just because of their devotion to doing, you know, there's a lot of those guys or poor guys from the South that said they did sit-ups and push-ups so much that they became big and strong and stuff like that. Plus they, you know, they just started off uh, gifted athletes. Lyle Albert so, got him some HGH. Yeah. And then, and then when we started with the weightlifting, then it became very popular. And like you said, there's guys that abused it. That I, I knew some guys who I went to college with that uh, were uh, took things that uh, ultimately led to their demise, like Lyle Alzado and Cullen Bryant was a guy that I played against in high school. And he uh, played professionally. And he was, you know, he wasn't normal because he had just built his body up so strong that he ultimately died early, like in his 40s or something like that. So that was a change that happened, not necessarily a good change. It sort of changed some people and made some people famous who had been not very big and strong. So that was a, almost a bad side to it and introduced that. Who was your favorite teammate you ever had? Well, we had a running back named, in high school named Mike Ellis who was, uh, uh, you know, one of the fastest. Wait, he received a full ride to Auburn to play running back at Auburn. So on that, the last, my senior year, when we were a bad team, when everybody got healthy, because Ellis had been hurt too. So was, the backfield was Tom Tassone, who played collegiately D1, Mike Ellis, who played D1. I played fullback. And Mike Lee uh, played at the academy for a year or so. So everybody, so everybody in the backfield went D1 except me. It was really depressing. Who <laughs> was the funniest teammate you had? Oh, <laughs> the, usually it was the, back in those days, it was the middle linebacker, whoever that was. Because you, what you found for a middle linebacker was the craziest guy that the school had. The biggest, toughest guy and put him at middle linebacker. And sometimes they weren't the most, uh, uh, they usually weren't on the Dean's list, let's put it that way. So yeah. they were crazy and tough and they were, uh, they, they were, so we had a, one, my junior year was a guy named Steve Swartz. And during the, the prayer before the game or whatever, you'd say, Steve, make a noise like a train. And he'd go, woo, woo, so while the coaches were trying to, you know, right. have a serious moment, he's playing like he's a train. And then the next year we switched to a guy named Jerry Nix, who was a great guy, but of the same, you know, he went to the Marines and there was a reason he went to the Marine Corps because he was that tough and blood would be flowing down his face and he'd be laughing and having a great time. And we'd say, Jerry, you got blood all over you. And he goes, oh, great. So those guys, the middle linebackers are usually funny. And uh, who's your favorite modern day 
football player. Who makes you want to watch football still, other than me? <laughs> <laughs> well, so if I can't catch a Volters game, uh, the uh, I like the innovation. I, Patrick Mahomes is obviously a very fun quarterback to watch. <laughs> this year, Russell Wilson, he, he just kind of outsmarts the other team. Every time they think he's going to do one thing, he does something else. And so it's fun to watch people, Aaron Rodgers. So the, from the quarterback position, those three guys uh, are sort of my favorites. Yeah, what about non-quarterbacks? Uh, you know, the, the, with the advent of so much passing, some of the receivers are uh, remarkable. Larry Fitzgerald is one that's been doing it for a while. Yeah. Uh, he, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Pretty solid. Okay, thanks so much for coming on. You did really well, good. You feel, uh, I think you, you dropped some knowledge bombs on us about some uh, football over the decades. Thanks, Ty. I think people could have learned uh, some stuff, especially I, about some eras bygone. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me, and it was it was delightful to talk about those days and looking back and and some of the high points that. Uh, but the uh, when I was twelve and had Coach Single has always been very special. You know, when if you ever had experience a coach like that that's innovative and smart. And these days, you know, Bill Walsh was looked at like that. Andy Reid's kind of like that. He just did things that other people hadn't thought of yet. So uh, the only problem was having that as a 12-year-old and then never having that good of coaching again up through even my college coach. Yeah. It was, was nothing compared to Coach Single. So that was, it was fun that I got to experience a man like that. I had a sixth-grade basketball coach that really, after him, it's all been downhill. <laughs> Very funny. All right. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thank you. Bye.